Hi, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to worship. Welcome to Schweitzer today. Wherever you're at, we're really glad you're here. I'm Jim, and I serve as a pastor and as our host for this experience today. If you're a guest with us today, first time, we have a gift for you. We'd love to send it out to you. It's a Starbucks digital gift card. We'll send that out right away. Check in with us and enjoy some brew on us. Today, we're looking forward and we're excited about this this worship experience and message that Pastor Spencer has for us. It's week two of a series called Come Follow Me as Jesus calls us into life with him and others. And so we're gonna explore the scripture. Again, Spencer will lead us to what that really means and what God has for us as faithful followers of Jesus Christ. It's gonna be really good. If you'd like to go deeper into the sermon, and we invite you to do that, we have a link, uh, schweitzer.church slash next. We have sermon discussion questions and more, so enjoy that as well. And now let's uh, let's hear from Corey. Corey's with us, and he's going to share more about what's going on here at Schweitzer. Hello, welcome to Schweitzer Church. We are so glad you're here. I'm Corey Lucivo, Director of Connections. There's a lot happening around Schweitzer. A few ways you can stay connected are by visiting our website following our e-news, or by downloading the Church Center app. Another great way to see what's going on is by picking up a copy of the Schweitzer Spark. This brand new summer issue of our church magazine is packed with opportunities happening between now and August. Pick up a copy at the Blue Booth or in the Fellowship Center today and share it with friends or folks who want to know more about Schweitzer. May is just around the corner, and we're getting ready to celebrate graduations. If you have a student who's graduating this spring, let us know by filling out a connection card, stopping by the blue booth, or by going to schweitzer.church graduate. Also coming up in May is Mother's Day weekend. On Saturday, May 13th from 9 to 11.30 a.m., we'll be hosting a brunch for ladies of all ages, including young women kindergarten and up. This will be a special morning together filled with great food, encouragement, and activities. Learn more and sign up today at schweitzer.church women. Also in May, our second season ministry, designed for people 50 and up, is hosting two events on Thursday, May 4th. At 11.30 a.m. as part of our monthly lunch, we'll have food from Mexican Villa and host Tracy Burton from Splatter and Art Studios for an interactive time of fun and fellowship. The cost is $10 to attend. Later that same day, at 6.30 p.m., we're hosting a free panel discussion called The Privilege of Retirement. We're hosting a full panel of professional leaders who are fully retired, as well as some who are semi-retired, such as Jim Mason. You'll love hearing their stories and tips for navigating this change. This second season event is perfect for anyone 50 or older and people who are thinking about retirement and starting to ask the question of how do I get there? Learn more today or sign up for either event at schweitzer.church slash second season. Once again, thank you so much for being here. Now, let's continue in worship. Thanks, Corey. 
If you're worshiping with us live, we invite you to engage. We have a chat feature on your screen. Uh, feel free to access that. Uh, tell us uh, what you think. Give us your insights as well as say hi to your friends and others. Also, if you'd like to receive prayer today, and we hope you do, we have people available to pray with you. So there's a prayer button and uh, enjoy that as well. Receive the gift of prayer. And now on this day that God has given us, let's celebrate, let's worship, and let's, uh, let's hear what God has for us. Let's worship.
As we come to this time of prayer together, we thank God for the, the gift of prayer, the gift of relationship with God and with each other. And as we pray this week, I invite us to pray for ourselves as Jesus has taught us uh, to pray for ourselves, but also then give ourselves away and pray for others. Uh, we invite the Holy Spirit to fill us with compassion and God's heart. And so as we, uh, as we really lean into God, I invite you to, uh, to not think it's selfish to pray for ourselves. Pray for ourselves as well as others. Let's pray together. Holy God and kind, kind Father, we praise you and we thank you for the gift of your love and care. Uh, we confess that we can forget that you love us more than we can imagine and you invite us always into relationship. And so today we, we do pray, Holy Spirit, come and fill us with your compassion and your heart and then send us send us physically, emotionally, spiritually into this world that you love uh, to care for others. Help us to pray for our neighbors, uh, people who serve our community, our family. God, uh, help us to pause in our everyday lives and to really care for others. Uh, and one of the primary ways, God, you teach us to care for others is through prayer. So God, help us to do that. Uh, we look uh, to you. And now in a time of silence, I invite each of us to ask God to help us, help us in our prayer life and help us to uh, pray uh, in a way that changes the world as God would have it. Let's pray together. We thank God that God uh, hears us. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers and in a time of silence speaking to us, uh, Lord, in, the, in, in your whispers. And now let's continue praying together in uh, the way that the Lord has taught us uh, through the prayer. Let's pray with humility and confidence uh, together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we come to this time of offering, we thank God for God's generosity, God's character, who God is, who provides and gives and gives and gives. And we respond to God's grace by our own giving. We're compelled by the Spirit to give back, and you are giving. We are so grateful for your generosity, your giving that's impacting lives here at Schweitzer and well beyond in our community. For example, the next generation of faith. Let me tell you about how God is working in their lives and how your support really is impacting this generation. Tonight at 5 p.m. here on the campus, we're having a confirmation service where we'll celebrate 15 students, celebrate baptisms, affirmations of faith, and much more. It will be a celebration. 
And these students, we want you to know also, each week on Wednesday night, they're worshiping together, praising God, and so much more. What a uh, beautiful and growing faith. Your generosity is making this happen. Again, thank you. Also a reminder that we can give each week, anytime, at the link that we provide at schweitzer.church slash give. Thanks for that. Also, if you're in town tonight, 5 p.m., confirmation service. Would love to have you there. You'll be really uh, gratified. It'll be a beautiful time. And now it's uh, week, two, week two of Come Follow Me as Spencer uh, leads us in this message. Friends, welcome today. My name is Spencer. I'm so glad that you're here with us. Today is part two of a series called Come Follow Me. Of course, this is what Jesus says to his disciples when he invites them to come and follow him as as his followers, to be his disciples. We see this throughout the Bible as Jesus does this. So in this series, we're going to be exploring this question, this this invitation of, of discipleship, but not in a general kind of sense. We want to really be specific about this. And so we're going to be exploring this invitation to be a disciple of Jesus as a gets lived out here in our church. It's part of Schweitzer. What does it mean here in our church to follow Jesus, to be a disciple? What are the things that we hold in common and how do we, how do we go about doing this as, as our local church? And so as we explore this uh, series, we're going to be looking at some values that we hold um, in common as, as our church. And, and as we go through this, um, some of these values, you know, they might be sound kind of, kind of basic. I mean, last week we talked about worship, how one of our values is that we're going to worship together, and that's kind of something you expect from, from every church. So some of these things that we go through here, you know, are going to sound like every church might hold to these things. Every Christian Protestant church, that is, would probably hold to some of these things. I mean, today we're going to talk about another very basic kind of idea. But how these things get lived out, though, is, is special and unique to us. And so that's what we really want to be talking about is how do we do this? How do we go about this? How do we think about these things? And, and what, does this, what does this look like then for, for us to live into this call um, of Jesus. And so today uh, we're going to look at another very basic kind of thing. You kind of thing you might think is true for just pretty much every church, but we have a value. It's stated. You can find it on our walls. You can find it on our website that we are a church that says that we, we care for one another. We care for one another. Again, you probably expect this from, from every church, but what I've found is that this understanding, this idea that we care for one another, it's maybe something you expect from every, every church, but I've known lots of people and I bet you have too who have walked away from church when this value doesn't give lived out well. Or maybe they had misunderstood what this value was about because sometimes this value comes with some misunderstandings and some misconceptions, some some misapplications that that when we get this off, we forget and we don't really understand uh, what it is that Jesus is calling us to do. And so today we're going to explore this value. We care for one another. And we're going to go to the Bible. We're going to go to John chapter 13. As we unpack this, because John 13 is this uh, pivotal, pivotal, pivotal passage in the Bible. It's a core, core teaching here that that explores and explains uh, what it is that it looks like for us to care for one another. So we're going to dig deep into this and understand this and hear what Jesus has to say to us about how to live out this call of discipleship as we care for one another. Now, John 13 is a pivotal chapter in the Bible. 
This is the Last Supper, so you can imagine the scene. Jesus is there celebrating the Passover with his disciples. This is the last meal they're going to share together. After this, Jesus will be arrested. Of course, you know the story. He'll be crucified, and three days later, he's alive. But at this Last Supper, he's sharing some of his kind of final thoughts with them, big, big things that he's sharing with them. But this is like what really matters. This is his final speech, his goodbye speech, where he's really trying to hit the high notes of, of what it means to be his follower because of what's about to take place. And so as they gather around the, the table that evening to celebrate the Passover, Jesus does this incredibly strange thing where he gets up from the table, he takes off his outer coat, his, his, his nice clothes, and he puts, a, puts an apron on, or a towel, the Bible says, but he puts an apron on, he takes a bowl of water, and he goes from disciple to disciple, washing their feet. Now to us, that's just like a gross thing to do, but for the disciples, oh my goodness, this was a shocking thing to do. Because it's the uh, obligation of the host of, of any meal to wash the feet of his guests. And you can imagine what feet looked like there because you're walking around in sandals in this dusty, dirty climate. And so as, as people come along to these, these roads and their feet were, were disgusting and dirty, the, the, the host would hire a servant or have one of his servants wash the disciples' feet. And, and this job of washing feet of his guests were like the low man on the job kind of thing. But here's Jesus, the Son of God, who's lived perpetually in glory, come and live among us. And here he is, the most important person who's ever lived. He's doing the lowest job there is. He's washing the feet of his, of his friends, of his guests. And then Jesus takes us like one step further because no one understands what he's, what he's getting at. I mean, even Peter is like, Jesus, come on, you got to get up, have some self-respect here. But, but Jesus, he takes us one step further and listen to what he says here. He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for this is what I am. So now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, uh, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And now that uh, you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And so Jesus uh, tells us, this is the model. So as we think about caring for one another, here's, here's the model that we need to have in, in, our, in our heads. Is like, what does Jesus, our Lord and teacher, do? How does he live? And then how do we then express this to others? Now, that's not just enough to wash each other's feet. Jesus even takes this one step further, even past that, however shocking that might have been that evening. And Jesus wraps up this time together, and he offers this in John 13, 34 and 35, famous, famous verses that really lay a bedrock for how we think and how we practice this, this idea of care. And here's what Jesus says. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you also must love one another. And then verse, listen to verse 45. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, pop quiz. How is the world going to know that we are his disciples? Is it by what we say we believe? Well, no. Is it by what denomination we belong to? Well, of course not. Is it by our politics? Certainly it's by our politics. No, of course not. No, the, it's very simply that if we love one another, so as we think about our church, we have this value. We say we care for one another. And this is really um, based on this teaching here from John 13. As we look to this teaching, this gives us so much understanding, so much expression, um, so much bedrock here that if we are going to be a church that cares for one another, it's, it's really coming from this place where Jesus tells us 
You're gonna love one another as I, as I have loved you. This is the command of Jesus for his followers, for all of his followers. I also wanna say that, it's for all of his followers because if you're going to follow after Jesus, this is not something he says to just a few people. This is something that he says to all of his disciples who are gathered around that table that night, which means this is something he says to all of his disciples who still gather around the table, who still gather around to worship him, that this is something that is true for absolutely all of us. And right there, that, that little point there could be a place of misunderstanding that for some people leads them maybe away from church or leads them away from, from the, thinking they weren't cared for well because they, they didn't quite understand how this works. Because what tends to take place when, when we think about the care ministries of a church, what we tend to do is we tend to look at this in a very um, narrow view. Like it's the job of a few people to do this. It's like, it's the pastor's job, right? I mean, after all, they only work half a day a week, so it's their job, you know, to do, to do this caring that we talk about as a church. Or, or we think about this in a narrow view. We think, well, this is just the job of those people who are just exceptionally gifted at this. And we certainly probably all know people like that who are just exceptionally gifted with acts of mercy and kindness and, and grace that they can exp- uh, extend this compassion to people. They just have these gifts for it. And, and that's a, that's a, that's a narrow view that can distract us from, from what this is really about. Like a few weeks ago, for instance, um, I visited this man in our, in our church who is in the hospital and I don't do a lot of hospital visits, but it's not really how we operate. But, but I, I, I made a hospital visit this day and I was visiting with this man, um, who was there and he started to tell me of a visit he received from our pastor of care. Her name's Sheila Pippen. She's incredible, incredibly gifted. Like one of those people, when you think about, you know, people who are really gifted at this, this is her. And, and so he started telling me about this, this visit that she had, and it was so meaningful to him. And he had tears in his eyes as he was telling me about how she came and prayed for him and, and sang hymns with him uh, to, to care for him that day. And I, I heard that story and I thought a couple things. I thought, one, what a beautiful story of somebody using their gifts to really make a difference in someone's life to take care of them. But then two, I'm thinking, you better not ask me to sing because because I'm not going to do that. And I bet you're not telling anyone later about this, this visit because you're not visited by someone who's got exceptional gifts in this, like Sheila. And instead, I'm like thinking about all the ways I'm not going to be singing to you this day, even though you're laid out in this bed. But what we tend to do is when we think of caring for one another, that's how we do. We, we, we think of it narrowly, like visiting someone in the hospital or narrowly, like this is what the pastor does or narrowly, like, like this is what people who are exceptionally gifted do. When really what we need to do is take this expansive view of how we care for one another, how we love one another, because this is not something for a few people. It's something for all of us who follow Jesus and call him our Lord and our teacher, because he's set this example for all of us. All of us have to understand this. So as we think about this in our church, John 13 is such a a bedrock idea for us. So let's, let's break this down and unpack this teaching that Jesus gives us. Love one another as I have loved you. This is the bedrock for how it is that we're going to care for one another, how we're going to relate to one another. So what does that mean? What does that, what does that start to look like? And when you start to ask that question, like, what does it mean to love one another? You very quickly run into a problem. It's, 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 it's a subtle problem. It's not like a huge problem, but it's a subtle problem. But you very quickly discover a problem because what does that mean to love one another? I mean, there's all kinds of ways of understanding that. And, and then, and there's just, there's this problem with that. So let me, you know, give you an example. Um, I say that I love my wife. I, uh, I love my kids and I, I love burritos. Now, 
one of those is not like the other. Like, how is it that I can use the same English word to describe my relationship with my family and my affection for Tex-Mex? Like, this, there's a problem here because we're not, we're, we're not understanding the, the breadth of this. And so in English, we use this word love and it gets used so broadly. It almost doesn't have any meaning anymore because it's just this really broad term that we use to describe anything that we might, we might like. But when Jesus is speaking this, he means something pretty specific. Now, what's helpful is that in the Bible, the Bible wasn't written in English. It was written in, the New Testament was written in Greek. And in, and in Greek, there's not one word for uh, love. There's four words for love. And this is really helpful because it helps us clarify what Jesus means uh, when he says this line, love one another as I have loved you. It helps clarify this by telling us what does Jesus mean by this, but also what did Jesus not mean by this, that we might be reading into it a little bit as we think about what it means for us to love one another. So let's walk through these four words because I think it's really, really helpful to gain some clarity. And so as you think about these four words, um, the first Greek word that was often translated as love is the Greek word eros. Can you guess what English word comes from the word eros? That's the word erotic. This is the word for, for lovers. It's the word for romance. It's for the word for when people fall in love. It's the word for a husband and wife who share their bed together. It's, 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 uh, it's about romance. It's about, it's about this, this kind of love. Now we're not going to spend much time on this, uh, word that we translate as love because you shouldn't be too surprised when Jesus says love one another as I've loved you. That's not the word he uses. So another uh, Greek word that we translate as love is the word, um, storge. And storge is like the, the feeling of love. And I don't mean like the romantic feeling, but I mean like the, the warmth and the affection that you feel um, towards someone or something. It's like it's this, the, the kind of love, Storge is the kind of love that maybe like a new parent has. You can imagine a new dad holding his daughter in the hospital and saying something like, like how he's in love with this baby. And he doesn't mean that in the same way he's in love with his wife, but he, he means that there's this affection, this life change has taken place because his heart has been stirred. And this is the, the idea of storge. It's this affection. It's this warmth. It's the, uh, it's this feeling of love. And it's tempting to think that when Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you, that he's thinking or he's saying this in terms of storge. It's tempting to think that because after all, shouldn't the church be this place of warmth and affection and comfort. I mean, that's how so many people think about the church. I mean, honestly, a lot of people think that the church is supposed to be exactly like that. It's a place that when you come to it, it should be comforting. It's full of like warm, fuzzy kind of experiences. But, but here's the thing. Sometimes that's exactly what you need. You need to feel and experience the comfort of the Lord through the people of God. I mean, the Bible calls the Holy Spirit the comforter for a reason, and this is certainly part of it. But sometimes it's not what you need. Sometimes what you need to have someone who really loves you, you need someone to tell you the cold, hard reality. Someone needs to speak the truth to you. Sometimes what you need is that is that uh, you need someone to, to confront you. You need someone to, to hold you accountable. And these kind of experiences, those... Those aren't comforting. They don't make you feel good. They don't feel warm and, and, uh, and that sort of thing. They don't build affection within you. But sometimes Christians get this confused and we begin to think that the church is supposed to be about storge. It's supposed to be about these feelings of warmth and affection. And so maybe what happens because of this is we start to avoid the hard conversations because we don't want to offend people. Or, or if we get offended, in church, which is going to happen, by the way, if we get offended in church, instead of dealing with that and 
maybe confronting the person or, or maybe uh, practicing forgiveness, which is the hard act of love, we just leave. And so we don't, we don't deal with this kind of thing. Or sometimes what we do is we put on this veneer of niceness and just having good manners when we're not actually loving and sacrificing for anybody. And so it should be no surprise though, when Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you, he's not talking about storge. He's not talking about the comfort and the affection and the warmth that we might feel um, through the church. He's talking about something deeper. So third, the third Greek word that we use often translated as love is the word phileo. And phileo is where um, you get the word Philadelphia. Philadelphia is based on this word. It's the city of brotherly love, which is kind of hilarious because it's not a very friendly place. But uh, phileo is the love of friends. And I don't mean it's like the acquaintances. I mean, these are like the kinds of friends we're talking about here who are like the lifelong friends. Phileo is about the kind of friends that you have that even if you don't see them for like five years, you pick up right where you left off. These are the kind of friends who you know, they, they have your back and they're going to care for you. They're going to love you. They're going to take care of you. They're, they're there for you. They're, they're, they're the kind of friends that you could, you could spend time with that, that never feels, it always feels too short. These are the kind of friends that you um, may not be family, but you love these people. And I hope that you have some phileo kind of friends in your life. I really hope that those phileo kind of friends are Christians. And I really hope that you're meeting those kinds of phileo kind of friends here in our church. Because we all need to surround ourselves with people who value the same things we do, who have a, a like-mindedness and a like-heartedness that, that are, as the Bible describes, like iron sharpening iron. It's the kind of people who we want to surround ourselves with and build in our lives who are going in the same direction in life that we are because we grow in that kind of way when we surround ourselves in those kinds of, those kinds of relationships. There is something just so vital to being a Christian and surrounding yourself with the people who, who want those kinds, same kinds of things. And this is why uh, we need small groups and we need classes and we need groups in the church and we need to volunteer because these are ways that you develop these kinds of relationships with other believers. These kind of relationships don't just happen accidentally. You don't just stumble into them. They take time. It takes work. It takes effort to develop these kinds of relationships. And it's tempting to think that when Jesus says, love one another, as I have loved you, that he's referencing this kind of phileo kind of relationship. In fact, I was uh, served a church one time where this woman came up to me after a service with a straight face, mind you. And she said to me, Spencer, could you start preaching shorter sermons so that we would have more time for the announcements in the worship service? Now, straight face, she said this to me. And, and I was thinking to myself, well, first of all, my sermons aren't that long. And second of all, every week I'm cutting stuff out so that I'm not saying everything there is. So, you know, you know, there's that. But then, but then I was reflecting on that more. I was like, that's a really strange thing to ask of someone. So what was she really asking? Like, what was the thing behind the thing? And it took me a while as I was, as I was thinking about this. And after I got over being offended just a little bit for me to realize that what, what she was really getting at here was that for her, what the church was about, was phileo. It was about friendships. And that's why we needed to spend more time, you know, announcing the potluck. Because if you don't announce the potluck, how can people come? And if people don't come, how are you ever going to get to become their friends? And so there was like a misconception about what the church was supposed to be about. It's not about uh, the phileo. There's, there's, a, there's deeper kinds of love. So don't, don't get me wrong here. Those kind of relationships are so, so important. And that's why it's so important to get involved in church, to lean into those relationships, to take a step toward those relationships. Um, and not expect them to come to us, but that's not what Jesus was talking about when he said, love one another as I have loved you. 
Instead, when Jesus says this, he uses a very famous Greek word. I'm sure you've heard it before. He uses the word agape. And agape is not about warmth. It's not about affection. It's not about comfort. It's not about even having best friends. What, what agape is about is about sacrifice. I mean, the great example here is what Jesus said. I mean, love agape one another as I have loved agape you. He, he is the model. And so you wonder, how has Jesus loved me? How has Jesus loved you? How has Jesus loved us? What is the model that he gives us? Well, I mean, the best example of agape love, of course, is the cross. That Jesus would give himself on behalf of us. He would sacrifice his life on behalf of us. I mean, that, that is love. And so the model that Jesus calls us to is to live as our Lord and teacher would live, which is to live a self-sacrificial kind of love. Author and pastor Tim Keller, he, he writes and describes this agape love. You know, this so well. He writes it like this. He says, when the Bible speaks of love, it measures it primarily, not by how much you want to receive, but by how much you're willing to give of yourself to someone. How much are you willing to lose for the sake of this person? How much of your freedom are you willing to forsake? How much of your precious time, emotion, and resources are you willing to invest in this person? I mean, that's such a great description of agape. It's this description of sacrifice. And so when we say we care for one another, and we look to John 13 as, as the bedrock for how we do this, this example for us, you know, what we mean by this is, we mean we're not, we're not going to be best friends with everyone. Our church is too large for that. We're, we're also not saying that our church is going, going to be a place of warmth and emotional caring and comfort because sometimes we need to say hard things and we need to confront one another. We need to have relationships that build each other up in that kind of way. But what we are saying is that in our church, we are going to be a place that sacrifices for one another. We, we are going to put others first. We're going to use our gifts, our talents, our resources, our time on behalf of the body, the fellowship that we share together. And that's not to say we're always going to get it right because we certainly won't, but what we're going to aim for is agape kind of love, to love one another as Jesus has loved us personally. Years ago, I had a mentor who described this kind of dynamic, this dynamic of, of, of uh, agape love with a, with a metaphor. It's not my metaphor. I just... I, I just think it's really helpful and sometimes I think about it from time to time. But he said, you know, a lot of people come to church and, and what they expect is they expect the church to be like a cruise ship. You think about what it's like to go on a cruise. You know, you go on a cruise, all of your needs are met. You go on a cruise and it's all about being comfortable and easy and catering to what it is that you need to happen. You go on a cruise and it's about filling your belly and filling your life with just more stuff that's about you to be comfortable and and um, and you just cater to everything that is. And, and it's sometimes people start to think of the church like this, like the church is all about getting my needs met. It's about catering to me and what I want to happen. What am I getting out of this? But, but he goes on to say, you know what? The church is not a cruise ship. We're more like um, a fishing vessel. And, and a fishing vessel is a place where everyone who's on board has a job to do. And that job is to contribute to catching fish. This is what we're, what we're about. So we carry each other's burdens and we help one another accomplish what it is we're doing. We, we work to do our part, use our gifts, our resources, our abilities to come together in this kind of way. And so as I think about agape love, to love one another as Jesus has loved us, this is a, 
a way of life that's about putting others first, it's about putting the mission of the church first, putting the body before ourselves, and it's not a way of life that sits back and expects to be served. It's not about a way of life that sits back and you know, expects somebody to do something about that. No, 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 agape love is the kind of love that says, you know what, I could do this. I can step up and do this. I, I can serve here. I can give to this. I can pray with this person. I can invite this person. I can reach out to them when I know they're hurting. I don't have to wait for someone else to do this. I, I can do this because, because when I'm doing those kinds of things, what I'm doing is I'm loving someone as Jesus has loved me because this now is the model. So today as we talk about this really you know, basic value to care for one another, we, we think about this in terms of how Jesus calls his disciples, all of us, to love one another as he has loved us. So let's just pause and um, maybe ask ourselves to take maybe some inventory and ask ourselves a question. You know, when it comes to your relationship with the church, and I don't mean that in a general sense about the church, you know, universal or the church in America. I mean like in our church, this body of believers that we call Schweitzer. So when you think about your relationship with our church, what kind of love have you demonstrated in that relationship? What kind of expectations have you had? And what, what kind of ways maybe the Lord is speaking to you to love the church, to love the body, to love one another as Jesus has specifically loved you? Let's pray. And so Father, today as we think about uh, this challenging and yet basic teaching, that as your followers, we're gonna love one another as you've loved us. This gets lived out in how we care for one another. And Father, first of all, what we wanna do is just confess that maybe some of us have had misplaced expectations. We've had some misconceptions about what this looks like and we've put ourselves in the receiving part of care, the receiving part of love, instead of the people who are giving this. When in reality, what you call us to as your disciples is to be having eyes to see how can I love others because this is what Jesus has done for me. And so we thank you that Jesus, you have given yourself for us fully and thoroughly. You gave yourself, you sacrificed yourself for us so we can have life and life eternal. And so for anyone who's with us today who doesn't know that gift of salvation, that gift of, of love, we just wanna offer a simple prayer. Lord Jesus, would you forgive me my sin and would you lead my life? And as we receive this, as we understand this, as we understand the gospel and how to live into this, would you expand our thinking, expand our vision, that as we look at our life, as we look at our relationship with our local church here at Schweitzer, we begin to have a mindset, not about what am I getting out of this, but rather how can I love others around me the way that Jesus has loved me? Because this is the call for all of us. And to the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray today. Amen. It's been a really good day of worship and thanks so much for being here. Also a special thanks uh, for the team uh, today, uh, beginning with Corey. Uh, thanks Corey for always keeping us connected. The worship team for leading us into God's presence. Uh, we, we are really grateful for you. Uh, for their creative team, for their creative gifts and all that they bring to this experience as well as uh, producing this uh, very experience right here and now. And to Pastor Spencer for a message of uh, challenge and comfort, hope and encouragement. Uh, we're really grateful as you teach us how to really follow Jesus. And if you know anybody who could benefit from this message of encouragement, um, 
please like and share uh, this experience today. We're, we're really grateful for you doing that. And we really look forward to being back with you next week for week three of Come Follow Jesus as we again, we uh, continue to learn for a lifetime how we follow Jesus with faith, trust, and obedience. See you next week. Satan tempts me, it's all in vain. With my Lord Jesus, I remain. Oh, every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Oh, every time I feel the Spirit.